Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves for Macca's, Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Ah, yes, indeed. Welcome to the Macca's Run, where we recap you on all the major news stories of the day and all the big conversations that have happened across the station over the last 24 hours. Plenty on the Macca's menu from a news point of view this evening. And, of course, this is your show to have your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to do that. And we do it all for Macca's, distractingly good deals only on the My Macca's app. You can text in at any time, 0433981116, to make sure you have your say on the news of the day. Most of the conversations today have been around uh, the couple of pre-season matches that have happened uh, between the, t- the sides that have been doing battle today. Jared was down there for Carlton and St Kilda. Carlton with a seven-point win over the Saints, 9-13-67. St Kilda, 8-12-60 at Icon Park today. And then at Casey Melbourne, 20-12-131. Defeated North Melbourne, 6 8 44. So we've got a couple of grabs of audio, David King, uh, Alan Richardson and a few others uh, as we work through the major news stories of the day. Alexander Zverev on the Macca's menu, uh, Jeff Kennett and more board turmoil at Hawthorne. Australian career great Rod Marsh, we'll give you the latest on him uh, and plenty more to get through as well. 0433981116 on the Temper Text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other, or 1300 Uh So the results from today, and there's uh, five games tomorrow, and I'll take you through where, what they are and where they are. It's really, there's a lot of real interest, isn't there, into these uh, pre-season games. This isn't even the official community series. These are just uh, pre-season scratch matches between the clubs that have organised them. They're being broadcast on KO, Jared was down there today. Bob and Andy, uh, Bob and Andy, Andy and Gazy uh, were at the hangar yesterday for for Essendon's clash with the Bulldogs. So today um, it was Carlton nine thirteen sixty seven, St Kilda eight twelve sixty, Silvani Chera. Always kicked a couple. Kennedy Durden Kemp, the other goal scorers. Brody Kemp starting up forward. Uh, it was an interesting positional move that uh, a few people weren't expecting today. Adam Chera certainly did impress uh, with his performance in the midfield. Uh, And then for the Saints, two goals to um, Jack Higgins, Memory, Campbell, Wood, Butler, King and Steele were the other goal scorers as well. And then at Casey, um, Ben Brown kicked five goals for the Ds who had their way with North Melbourne. Um, It was a yeah, that was pretty comprehensive, but nothing to get alarmed about because it is just a pre-season game. So I'd love to hear from you if you went to either of them. I could see uh, at Icon Park that it's uh, undergoing redevelopment at the moment. Most of the tradies didn't get much done today, it must be said, uh, and fair enough. Uh, they were distracted by the footy, and why wouldn't you? Um, 
So if you were one of the people that were either not doing work when you were supposed to have been, or if you were one of the people that was uh, skipping work to go down to see whether it be Carlton and St Kilda or Melbourne and North Melbourne, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I've got some of the experts and, and, and some of the uh, observations that have been made from those who were there across the day from our point of view, but I'd love to get your point of view as a fan. What did you see that had you excited? Do you get excited about what you see at a practice match? Did you go and see a young player that you've been looking forward to just getting your first look at? And what were your first impressions of? one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And I can't tell you how many text messages I've already got about the fact that Carlton were charging to get into a practice match today. Is that right? I hadn't heard that. I'm looking out to my producer, Sam, and I'm going to have to double-check this. I've got about three text messages that I can see on the screen straight away saying that Carlton were charging members for free, but if you just wanted to rock up and have a look, you were getting stung 15 $15 to go to a practice match. I know that clubs have been doing it tough, but let's not forget that the people have been as well. I don't know what to make of all that. I'm sure there's a good reason. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying not to have a knee-jerk reaction to it, but does that pass the pub test? Charging 15 bucks to get into a pracky match. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight 736 Non-members, $15. That's 15 bucks. Deary me. Uh... 0433981116 off the temper text. Temporary mattress light. Now, other. So, how are Carlton looking uh, under new coach Michael Voss? David King gave Jerry Waitley some of his early observations. Carlton are trying to play a little bit different, Jerry. And, 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 and every conversation I've had with Michael Voss, he's trying to embrace their, their ability to move the ball. They're a very good offensive team, so he doesn't want to lose that. So, I think it's important that you see what he's trying to do different. So under David Teague, it was get the ball, take territory, drive it forward, give your forwards an opportunity straight away. And that, and that worked at times. And you know, Big Harry at full forward had a fantastic year, getting the ball, surging it from stoppage to that big target. But now there's more handball involved. And you'll see it today. They, they want to link up. They want to get three, four, five handballs as they leave traffic to try and maintain possession for longer and get the ball deeper in their forward line. So you don't see Patrick Cripps having to chase his man 80 metres down the wing. So it'll, what they do with the ball sh- you know, should complement what they do without it. David King with Jared Whateley earlier on today. He also shared his concerns about St Kilda. I'm worried about St Kilda this season, that the list could be a house of cards if they get a couple of injuries to the wrong players, which they've already got. Um, where does it leave them with a, a, difficult, a difficult list, if you like? I think it's still... I still think they're another three drafts away from being a, a serious okay. four- to five-year finals team. Now, that won't be music to the ears of St Kilda fans who, unfortunately, have um, the auspicious honour of being in the longest premiership drought in the competition now. Um, but David King he does a lot of work on lists and where they're at. He's very, very clued in to where teams are at statistically from a list point of view as well. And he's got some real concerns uh, about St Kilda. So if you're a Saints fan and you were down there today, one uh, 736 736 or 0433 uh, Off the text, really impressed with Paddy Cripps. No back injury. And clearly Vossi has him hunting the pill and handball first option. Awesome. That's from As. That's music to my ears as well, As. People think, uh, and the, the wonderful Margaret, uh, sometimes I get in trouble because she says, you're a bit too hard on Carlton. But I am a massive Paddy Cripps fan, 
And I also think that he's been um, the victim of quite a bit of disservice from Carlton in the early part of his career because from the second year he was there, number one in centre clearances and number one contested possession play. And his second year, still a teenager uh, at that point. And I just don't know if he got the protection then. They got rid of players that were bigger bodies around him. Mitch Robinson and Tom Bell, and those names might not, you know, Carlton fans might scoff at those. But if you go back and have a look at who else was getting centre clearances around that time and chipping in in that area, um, they were some. And they were bigger bodies around him that could have done a bit of protecting for him. So I'm a big Paddy Cripps fan, and he's been accused by um, some former greats of the game of maybe last year trying to do too much. And I remember saying a couple of weeks ago, I can't wait to see where he gets to under the tutelage of Michael Voss, because I would fully expect that Vossi would say, you you do the things that make you, you do the things that you're the best at in the competition and we'll get guys around you that can be the beneficiary of what you do that's better than anyone else in the game. And that is contested possession, centre clearance, and obviously around the ground clearance as well. So that's great news to hear that Paddy Cripps was doing what Paddy Cripps does better than anybody else. Um, I paid $15. I'm an Essendon member and was thoroughly entertained. There were gate staff, security, food, vendors, etc. Someone has to pay these wages. Costs more to go to the movies. That's from Emad. Okay, so, it, so for some, it's not a big deal. Uh, Emad, it's a good man. And um, that just struck me. Yeah, I, don't, I still don't know how that sits with me, charging for a pre-season. But if they did put on a good show there and they had all the vendors and, and everything like that, yeah, they don't come for free. Uh, 0433981116 off the temper text. Temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, we'll get to Melbourne. Uh, actually, we'll do a bit of Melbourne now. Uh, Alan Richardson, uh, footy boss at uh, Melbourne, spoke to Dwayne earlier on today and uh, had this to say uh, about Melbourne's performance today. No, by and large, for a big percentage of the game, we were really happy with it. We thought that... Um it was the way that we wanted to play. It was the way we wanted to defend. It was the way that we wanted to attack. Um, North got hold of us a little bit at clearance at times, and we felt that we were a little bit um, a little bit fumbly under their pressure. Full credit to the Kangaroos. They had a pretty young group out there, given that they had some, um, some gaps and some illness in the camp. Um, and there was times when we didn't quite cope, and that's been a bit of a strength of ours. So there are some areas that we'll, uh, we'll work through. We gave away, we gave away way too many high free kicks. It was good that we were looking to get after them, but uh, we were a little bit sloppy a couple of times. Melbourne uh, Footy Club's Alan Richardson and also spoke about playing their senior players in today's game. Yeah, we did the same last year, Dwayne. We, we made a call um, before the game started and explained to the whole group that we felt that um, if, our, if our method and anything relies on synergy, which is a big part of footy these days, and that is team defence and, and team offence, we needed to make sure that we had as many that are, you know that, that are going to play with each other, playing in the trial games, and and what that might mean is, you know, traditionally practice matches you look at a few young blokes. Um, if that means we miss that opportunity, then we'll make that up in other ways, as opposed to in the really important practice matches. Given that we only have two these days, you know, we've got we've got another one on Thursday against the Blues, uh, the more official game, and and then that's it. So it's um, they're pretty valuable minutes to make sure that we can get that synergy and connection, and so. Field, the team that we think is going to represent the club in round one. They had 19 of the 22 that played on grand final day last year in that Melbourne side today that had a 131-44 to 44 win over North Melbourne. Uh, Alan Richardson also uh, spoke to how they've handled um, the, the, the controversial stories that were doing the rounds about Simon Goodwin uh, a couple of weeks ago. No, no, not 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 a lot really, Dwayne. Given that our um, our president Kate Roffey came out so strongly and basically 
poured a lot of cold water on on on, um, on some of the acquisitions. That was uh, that was brilliant. It was obviously it, it needed to happen, and, and so that happened. And so yeah, no, we've we've just been focusing on our footy. And um, I spoke to Gorney, you know, when this was happening. His, his suggestion was that there's probably only four or five that would even know what's going on. The young, the younger, you know, we're still a pretty young team. They, they wouldn't even realise what's happening. You know, they're not into they're not into that sort of media stuff. So, um, and, and and the leaders obviously show a bit more interest. And and but we, you know, as soon as we were able to give them an understanding of what was going on and why it was going on, they were they were pretty good. So uh, that was Alan Richardson there talking about how they've handled the reports that were doing the rounds about Simon Goodwin uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the, the, some of the observations that I was hearing Dwayne make today in regards to, to Melbourne and, and in to do with how they know when to and when not to go into a contest. He spoke about the fact that their midfielders, they get a lot of numbers near the contest. And he said it was really interesting to watch them know exactly when they needed to go in to lend a hand, to stay out, to break and spread. Um, and we know then he played the audio of Tim Clark on his show during the week saying that that's a big part of what Michael Voss is trying to teach Carlton. If you remember a couple of years ago about Melbourne, one of the big criticisms of them was that the midfield was very similar and that they were all like moths to a flame. So it's interesting about Simon Goodwin that not only has he... How, has he been at the helm to break the 57-year drought? Not only has he got individuals playing their best football of their career as individuals, but he's also got them playing uh, as the best teammates that they can be. And that's something that Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver, Max Gorn all spoke about last year. All that midfield have addressed it. Viney has spoken about it. Harms has spoken about it. That they, One of the big things that Simon Goodwin was able to do is to tell them that they need to be better teammates for each other. It seems like you know that's a massive part of the success they were able to have last year. So that's a little bit on the practice matches. If you've got a North Melbourne perspective and you were down there, um, if you had a look at Jason Horn Francis, I hear he did a couple of good things today. Apparently Jack Zebel was kamikaze-like at the ball, uh, and Jason Horn Francis showed that he's got a hard head um, as well, or that he has. And shouldn't be using that, encouraging that hard head stuff at the moment, should we? With concussion. But if you if you saw that Jason Horn Francis has a willingness to compete. Uh, at the young age uh, that he is. I'd love to have got your thoughts if you were down at Casey. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Nathan's in Burn wants to talk about the Saints. G'day, Nath. Yeah, good evening. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm excited the footy season's back. Well, nearly back. Um, with the Saints, um, David King saying the list um, doesn't seem so good for the Saints. Mm-hmm. Their and stuff. I believe we only... Our list is better than what it looks, actually, and... We only left probably two key players, which is one is a backup Bruckman. Like we need a permanent Bruckman that can actually help out Ron Marshall because Ryder's obviously end of his career. He's just there to teach a few tricks and play, play like 10, 15 games that can obviously get us to the finals. I reckon he's one of our key players, Ryder, but obviously because of his age, I don't look at him so much. And we need a full back that can help out Dougal with Wilkie. So just one more full back and I think our list is pretty good. Yeah, so I wonder if, given that they are key position players and key position players do take longer than the midfielders to develop, maybe that's a part of what Kingy was talking about. It might not be that it's it's three full drafts to add three full drafts worth of players to your list, but it might take you that amount of time because if you want to get a key position player that's going to be an effective number two to Howard, 
they just they just aren't ready to go straight out of the draft. And either are rucks who who historically take a lot longer to develop than maybe the midfielders. So whether they knew, have to go back to the trades over the last couple of years, they brought in Hill and Howard and Ryder and Jones and Butler. Crouch and Higgins and McKernan um, as well. So they haven't been as draft conscious in the last couple of years uh, as maybe some St Kilda fans would hope for them to be. But it was, you know, the hub year of 2020 where the way that they played sort of caught people by surprise. They were able to make finals, but people were able to adjust and got them figured out for, for last year and they weren't able to score the way that they had been, bringing numbers up, getting the ball out the back as, as they had been in that year to, to, to make finals. But they did have a couple of narrow losses as well. So if they, I think his concern, Nath, is that if they can't stay, if they lose just a couple, then he believes they're a bit susceptible and that the depth that they have might not be able to cover them as it can at some other clubs. So uh, fingers crossed. I, my uh, my sister, uh, my amazing niece and nephew are all Saints fans. So I have a soft spot for St Kilda. And my best mate's a Saints fan as well. So I would love nothing more to see St Kilda uh, back into finals and contending and, and winning them. Uh, fingers crossed for you, Nathan, for all the, the St Kilda faithful. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. This is the Maccas run, uh, distractingly good deals, only on the My Maccas app. We'll talk Alexander Zverev, the latest on him. Richard Ings, uh, former umpire, uh, tennis umpire, spoke to Jerry Waitley earlier today. And uh, we'll get the latest on Rod Marsh as well after he reportedly was rushed to hospital after suffering a major heart attack in Bundaberg. Cricket Australia uh, have released a statement uh, around that. Plenty more still to get through on the Macca's run, but you have your say on the news of the day. one 736 736 Distracting the good deals only on the My Macca's app. That's who we do it for on the Macca's run. Plenty on the news menu today to sink our teeth into. one 736 to have your say on the news of the day. Uh, Joel Peterson, who called uh, the Carlton St Kilda game for KO, is going to jump on and just give us his initial impressions of what he saw out there today. A couple of little positional things that people might not have picked up on. So we'll get uh, the commentator's view uh, from today. And there's a fair bit of excitement around, which is wonderful uh, in regards to the footy season, the, the men's season being uh, not too far away now that pracky matches have started. Um, 0433981116 off the temper text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other. Frank says, how about the Bombers? What do you think? Um, I'm very much in line with what Coach Ben Rutten has said uh, about the Bombers. I really enjoyed watching them last year. I thought they were an exciting team to watch. They are an exciting team to call. Uh, but Ben Rutten has just said this. We're not putting any restrictions or limitations on what we can achieve. Absolutely, we're trying to make finals, but we're trying to build a program and a club to win premierships. That's what we're here for. When that happens... We want to do it as soon as we possibly can. So that's exactly if I'm if if it's my club and I barrack for Essendon, that's exactly what I want to hear. Platitudes about finals as a pass mark and uh, you know it's a premiership or nothing. Only one team wins the premiership every year. I know that's a newsflash, but it's so of course. So what he's talking about there is we're looking to build something sustainable. We're looking to actually grow and build into something that we we believe can achieve you know, success over years, not just, oh, we just, you know, we, we're going to win a final. That would be the throwaway line. Finals is a pass mark. That's that's just click stuff. It's clickbait stuff, and I don't think astute fans buy it anymore. So I love that answer because that's about the long term. That's about continuing on a journey, the development. It's about the process. Alistair Clarkson used to always say, when, and I'll, keep, I'll bring this up because I think it's one of the great lines from a guy who's got four premierships 
when after the Melbourne, we went and spoke to the Melbourne Storm, they, they asked him, how do you make sure you keep winning every week and every year? He said, I've got nothing to do with, I, I can't, I've got, winning's got nothing to do with me. I can't control if we win or lose. All I can control is our attitude and our preparation. That's, that's what Ben Rutten's essentially saying there. So, I'm, so Frank, I'm with Ben Rutten. As long as they improve again, and I think they will, then um, it should be a good year uh, for the Bombers. And then it's up to the fans, how I suppose, how you measure success. And, and then do, do your, are your expectations realistic or are they unrealistic? Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Speaking of Alistair Clarkson, uh, got doorstop by Channel 7. It was Tom Rockliffe that uh, um, dropped the little bombshell a couple of weeks ago where he believed that uh, Alistair Clarkson, he, he said, was allegedly ringing up um, free agent or potential free agents, so don't sign yet, um, wait to hear from me kind of thing. Um, this was what Alistair Clarkson had to say about uh, his future on coaching. Oh, no, I, my, my, my only commitment is really to the AFL, helping, uh, helping the future, future of footy and especially regional areas. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, I've, got, I've got a lot more things to focus on than worrying about that. Um, and who knows will I ever get back into coaching. I'm really enjoying my, my time off at the present time. So he didn't really seem too phased by uh, the suggestions of Rocky. Uh, Rocky had said on the M's in Adelaide, he's put in a few calls to free agents to tell him to hold off, wait till the uh, wait until the back half of the year, and you might get a better picture of where he might end up. Um, but he seemed pretty nonplussed by it at all, based on that answer from Clarko, who's a key part of the Tasmanian pitch for the 19th AFL license. Uh, he said, as he said there, he's got a lot more things to focus on than worrying uh, about that. The man that, for many, um, is under the most pressure with the spectre of Alistair Clarkson looming over this season, um, given that he's got a, a $900,000 vacation that he's taking this year, um, Stuart Jew has spoke today about the pressure on him in 2022. Any coach is under pressure, I think. There's probably a handful of coaches that would feel safe, but I think even if you ask them, it's you're not far away from some pressure. Like a player, if you're in the senior team and you know someone's nipping at your heels or or in the VFL playing really well, you can go two ways. You can fold to the pressure or you can rise to the occasion, and I think that's where I'll back myself in. Stuart Jew there, Gold Coast Suns coach. Uh, but for how long is the big question. He's a very good man, Stuart Jew. Uh, I hope whatever happens that uh, that he stays in football in whatever way, shape or form uh, that can be. Uh, Sam, uh, Sam Edmund has written a story on the SEN website, which is a fascinating one and will not be music to the ears of, I don't think, a lot of Hawthorne fans and members. Uh, he's reporting that uh, outgoing President Jeff Kennett apparently is attempting to block Andy Gowers from taking charge of the nominations group searching for his replacement. He's saying that it's a move that threatens to reignite the Hawks' boardroom battle on the eve of the season. He said Kennett used a recent board meeting to push for Vice President and ally Peter Nankerville to instead assume the role. Uh, Sam's reporting that Kennett critics are arguing that the long-term president has broken a key peace deal struck as part of his exit plan. He said that it had been agreed that Gowers, 1991 Premiership player and former footy director, would abandon his run for a seat back on the board if he was made independent chair of the nominations committee. Sam writes, but Kennett's bold move to have him overlook threatens to cause fresh turmoil less than a month before the start of the new AFL season. This is Jeff Kennett's final term at the Hawks. It wasn't due to end till 2023, but uh, the pressure that was mounted uh, from the Hawks for change group uh, basically shoehorned him into saying that he would step aside 
uh, by June 30 or that they would find his successor by June 30, which uh, Jeff Kennett committed to in a letter to members. Uh, I, I got that letter. Uh, in November last year. Uh, this was what Andy Gowers had to say about this um, to Jared Waitley uh, on his role with Hawthorne now after that agreement had been reached. Is that the role to identify the next president? That would be the first task of the nominations committee, yes. So we've we've um, mapped out a, uh, well, the club has mapped out a, an agreed time frame, which is 30th of June next year. Uh, to make a, a decision on that. And um, I mean, it could happen earlier than that, but um, 30th of June is sort of, yeah, I think you have to put a line in the sand and say, well, yeah, pardon that uh, expression, pardon the pun. But yeah, a line in the sand saying, you know, a particular date um, makes sense. Let's work towards that. And it gives gives a bit of um, bit of focus for that group. And obviously we need to work out who sits on that group as well. The charter would need to be formulated. And then, you know, we work, work our way through the process and I think the other thing I, I should say about this process is, I mean, we're talking about it now publicly. Um, we want to find the best person to succeed Jeff Kennett. Jeff Kennett has made an enormous contribution to the football club and deserves a dignified and suitable exit. So part of this process is making sure that happens. That was Andy Gower speaking to Gerald Whateley in November of last year. So that was in November and they still haven't established that nominations group. Why am I not surprised that this is happening? And listen to all the lovely things that Andy Gower said about Jeff Kennett. I'd hate to see what would have happened if he had said something bad, if that's how Jeff responding to the things that he said that were glowing in their praise. Imagine if he had have said something untoward or imagine if he had have been critical. Jeez, it would have been nuclear. So that's very frustrating, I would imagine, um, if you're a Hawks fan uh, or a Hawks member. Uh, Sam Story said sources last night argued the democratic process had already been compromised. The well-connected Hawks for Change group was formed to loosen Kennett's group on the board, instigate permanent change and support the elevation of former Australian super boss Ian Silk to the club's board. He's still weighing up whether he'll run for the presidency um, at this stage. So it's a big watch this space and probably the last thing that Hawthorne need after a train wreck last year on and off the field um, to now be going into a season with a what looks to be division again uh, at board level. So very disappointing. Um, the latest on Rod Marsh, Cricket Australia um, have released uh, a statement in regards to Rod Marsh and they've said, we are very conter- concerned to hear the news about Rod and send him our best wishes. Our thoughts are with Rod, his wife, Roz, their family and many friends at this difficult time. Uh, Rod is one of the most iconic and popular figures in the game. We thank and acknowledge those um, who are caring for him. So apparently two country cricket officials, and this is a story from Peter Lawler and Crash Craddock, probably the two best um, in the business. Uh, the two country cricket officials were lauded for saving Rod Marsh's life on Thursday after he uh, suffered a heart attack. Apparently, Marsh had a heart attack when he was a passenger in a car en route to a hotel soon after landing in Bundaberg for a Bulls Masters event. His heart stopped beating, according to this report, for several minutes, but after arriving at Bundaberg's hospital, emergency work from the doctors saved his life. So there's a decision that will be made um, and may have already been made about whether he stays there for an operation or will be taken uh, to Brisbane. So um, I think, yeah, the whole sporting community uh, with their fingers and toes crossed and um, wishing Rod Marsh and his family all the best. Uh, Joel Peterson, who did the game uh, at Icon Park today, Carlton and St Kilda for KO, is going to join us and just let uh, give us an insight into what he observed from both those teams today. This is the Macca's Run. 
AFL practice games to happen tomorrow. West Coast and the Dockers at 4.40, Mineral Reserve Resources Park. Uh, Brisbane and Adelaide, that'll be at Metricon at 10 a.m. Uh, Adelaide, uh, Port Adelaide are playing the Gold Coast at Metricon at 2 p.m. And Hawthorne are going to unveil some of their new recruits. Four of them have been named for that game against Collingwood at the Morewell Recreation Reserve. And Greater Western Sydney will take on Sydney at the Lavington Sports Ground. Today, uh, the Blues and the Saints. Uh, it was a seven-point win to the Blues, 9-13-67 to St Kilda, 8-12-60. And Melbourne, 2012-131, defeated North Melbourne, 6-8-44. Joel Peterson was doing the game for KO, uh, along with Mickey B, Michael Barlow. Uh, he's a good Bendigo boy too, Joel, so always happy to get uh, a fellow Bendigonian on. Uh, Joel, hello, mate. How are you? Very well, Sam. Always good to speak to a uh, to a fellow Bendigo product. So uh, thanks for having me on. No pleasure. Uh, first impressions for you. We'll start with Carlton. What was the thing that stood out first and foremost for you about the way that Carlton went about it today? I uh, heard you talking earlier about Patrick Cripps's involvement. I mean, you look around the football, um, and even from the very opening bounce of the game, you know, it was Cripps involved. It was Cherer involved. The handball to Williams. The overlap run from behind. Uh, it, it looked, uh, you know, those players playing in their natural positions and, and doing their, their natural thing. Um, Williams looks far more suited to that halfback role um, in his second season at the Blues than he was when they tried to make him into a midfielder last year. Um, obviously, Adam Cherra's had a big impact, a couple of goals, and, uh, and showed his class on a few occasions. And I think if you're a Blues fan, you know, Patrick Cripps' performance today, so many times in the last few years, I think... Um, Cripps has been that player that um, either has, you know, been accused of doing a little bit too much or almost been in the position where he's been under so much pressure and there's so much the focus of other teams and maybe a little bit banged up injury-wise too that he's just got the ball and given it straight away and not really had the the creativity or the, the space and time to be creative with the ball. Today he was fending off, he was spinning through the traffic, he was doing all those Patrick Cripps things that you love to see. Um, and he was a real bright spot for them too. And then you think about the, the players that they repurposed. So Brody Kemp, the Echuca product, um, had his 2020 ruined with a knee injury, played a couple of games late last year as a defender. He got retooled as a forward today and attacked really strongly. Corey Durden, another youngster, was good. Charlie Curnow showed some signs inside the 50 for the Blues. And then um, Mitch McGovern moved to half back and, uh, and did some nice intercepting work. So um, I think in a game where neither side maybe set the world on fire, uh, there was a, probably a bit more to like from the Blues side of things uh, from what I saw. Between yourself and Michael Barlow, could you see the Michael Voss influence? Um, Tim Clark, I mentioned earlier, spoke to Dwayne yesterday, and one of the big things that he's trying to teach the side is is about how they execute at the contest, about knowing when to go in, when to stay out, when to spread. Could you see um, an, an influence already? Has he put a stamp on it just yet? Look, in patches, Sam, their, their first quarter was really good, Carlton. They're spread away from the contest. Their ability to create that overlap, whether it be through through Williams or Zach Fisher, who was really good. Um, there was certainly, I guess, they, they were looking for that. It looked aside, and certainly more than St Kilda did, really at any stage throughout the game, that Carlton were able to generate and were looking for that, that overlapping run and, and using the ball a little bit smarter around the contest. Um, but then they had a goalless second quarter and only kicked one goal in the, in the last quarter. There was only three goals kicked to the Royal Parade end all day, remarkably. So 
uh, in a pretty low-scoring game. One end of the ground was basically dead as far as scoring was concerned, and there wasn't a, a really noticeable um, wind influence on the game. So it's just, I think, two sides that, that are still working into their stuff in the early part of the season. And you could see it at times, certainly with the Blues, that was a bit of a shift in the way that they were trying to move the ball. But I wouldn't say they, they executed it for the full game. It was fits and starts, but certainly in the first and third quarters, if you're a Blues fan watching that replay tonight or across the course of the weekend, I think that's where you'd be starting to see the best of what they did. And what about from the Saints? Um, It just never really looked cohesive for them last year after sides figured out the way that they were going about it. Can you see a new St Kilda, a new way of doing things for them? What stood out for you about the Saints? Uh... Look, going into the game, Sam, I probably thought the Saints had the better team on paper, closer to the team that they would pick round one. So no Ryder, no Geary, no Howard, no Hanabry, and no Rowan Marshall. Clearly big outs, but, I mean, Carlton are missing their best and fairest and the Coleman medalist from last year, among a few. So I I would have thought that St Kilda probably had the the better team on paper. Um, I thought Tim Membry was outstanding. One thing he did do a couple of times, go behind the ball and and, and able to solidify their defence. Max King showed some real signs. You know what you're going to get from Jack Steele. Um, Brad Hill was was busy across half-back and and it was great to see Jade Gresham back. But um, there there wasn't a lot from the Saints that, that really struck me as being gee, this is a real game changer for them this season. Uh, they were they were maddeningly inconsistent last year, even as a neutral. I mean, as a supporter, it must have been torture to watch them week in and week out. As a neutral, it was it could be frustrating to watch them even within games. Um, and they just never really put it together. So um, there's certainly some some bright spots there for the Saints in, in some of their, you know, those younger players continuing to come through. Josh Battle was an interesting one. So he's played 56 games since being the, the 39th pick in the 2016 draft. They've never really settled him down. He played on Charlie Kerno today and he did a really good job. So that's a big tick out of the game for the Saints that hopefully they can they can move forward with Battle in defence and try and settle him down. Um, but in terms of, of a real way forward for St Kilda... Um, I, I didn't see anything that, that would appear to suggest that they're going to be a drastically different side to what they were last year. Only early days, as we know, though, a, a pracky match. But that's a great... We had a, we had a, a caller ringing in before saying that, uh, you know, all they need is to get a number two uh, in defence for uh, Dougal Howard. And it looks like Josh Battle might be uh, the guy. What about in the midfield? I, I was talking before about how I feel like Paddy Cripps that was a disservice was done to him earlier in his earlier in his career where you know he was just made to do it all and had to do it all for, as a teenager to be number one at the club in your second year for contested ball and center clearances um, no wonder he's he's 26 years old looking like uh, he gets around like a 36 year old at times because he's had to carry such a load I have similar fears about the St Kilda midfield when it comes to Jack Steele who's a bit older and and more seasoned now, but in terms of being a bit of a one-man band, could you see the support and, and could you see where he was going to get uh, a bit more assistance in the midfield? Jack Steele with Crouch, did he look like he'd finally settled in? What did you make of their midfield mix? We didn't have the numbers today, so it's a little bit... It's, it's difficult to judge with any sort of quality data um, and, and look too deeply into it. Brad Crouch's game was okay. He didn't strike me as um, as playing outstandingly well, but I didn't sort of wonder where he was throughout the game. Jack, Zach Jones was good, sort of his usual industrious self, forcing the football forward, providing a little bit of run and 
and a bit of dash. Um, you know, Steele's outstanding. Hunter Clark had his moments around the footy where, where he went in there. And then they've got, you know, they've got some speed on the outside with Burns and Billings. And probably once Gresham gets gets a bit of match practice in, they'd be hoping mm. that he could go through the middle as well, a little bit St Kilda. But I agree, Sam. I think that that's probably the area that, that they do need a bit of support. They probably need the likes of, you know, maybe if it's, it's even a Dan Butler um, that goes through there. Because when you look at the players that they don't have out there, you know, Dan Hanabry's probably really the only midfielder that they were missing today, apart from the younger players that they might be able to blood later in the season. So um, it, it does look as though that's where a side like Carlton could have an advantage over St Kilda because with King and with Membry and Higgins and Butler, you know, that, that's a pretty good sort of forward tandem with players rolling through there. And if you throw um, Battle in there with, with Howard in defence and a really good small defender in Sinclair. They've got some some tools to work with down there too, but it's just that finding a little bit of assistance from, from Jack, for Jack Steele, who's led them so superbly in the last couple of years. Um, it'll need to be a Brad Crouch or a, you know, a Seb yeah. Ross that gets back to his two-time best and fairest form to, uh, to really kick things into gear for the Saints. Joel Peterson, great job uh, calling the game for KO today. Uh, it's uh, There's a real buzz around the place at the moment. Uh, we've been doing broadcasting from these games. Uh, so the practice matches are on in earnest before we even get into the pre-season series. Uh, great to get your thoughts on today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for your time, Sam. Uh, Joel Peterson did the game for KO today. Speaking of the Blues, as I go to the break, and I want to come back with what Richard Ings had to say to Jared Waitley about, uh, well, what was one of the most disgraceful pieces of sportsman, just one of the most disgraceful pieces of conduct I've seen from an athlete on any level uh, in professional sport, not just professional sport, but any level, uh, Alexander Zverev. I just want to play it, which is a good news story today. Brad Lloyd, uh, the footy boss at Carlton, was speaking about Sam Doherty and the incredible um, strides that he makes in coming back from chemotherapy uh, to try and get back out onto the field. Um, this is just extraordinary. Have a listen to Brad Lloyd as we go to the break. I'll come back on the other side. Yeah, look, he's a remarkable person, Sam, yeah. and what, what he's been through and uh, through the pre-season. Um, to see him within weeks, his body and the look of him, you know, coming through the, the chemo stage and uh, back into full training. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's been unbelievable from a resilience point of view, the way he's handled things. And, um, yeah, he's not far off uh, playing. So, yeah, he may, he may have a, next, a run next week, but he's not, uh, he's not far off at all. So uh, credit to him and the way he's, uh, he's handled himself. He's had good support around the club from the players. That's audio of one of the most unsavoury and pathetic uh, incidents that I've ever seen uh, on a sporting field. That's the sound of a grown man having a tantrum that I think even a four-year-old would be embarrassed if they were to see themselves performing. Uh, But that was uh, Alexander Zverev taking to the umpire's chair with his racket um, in a... uh, in a tournament in Alcapulco, Mexico. He's been kicked out of the ATP 500 for unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, that was during a doubles match. Um, this was Richard Ings talking to Jared Waitley uh, about the incident earlier today. Well, you know, Jared, as you said, I spent 10 years as an elite professional umpire and five years as director of officiating for the ATP Tour. And uh, the video overnight is the worst single incident of physical abuse that I've ever seen 
professional tennis play uh, direct towards a chair umpire in my time watching the game. The worst single incident. It's impossible to think that the umpire didn't feel under threat. Was that your feel? Oh, absolutely. Look, we've seen incidents before of a player recklessly hitting a ball or kicking a line umpire's chair. But in this particular case, Ferev, he smashed the umpire's chair three times. He abused him. He sat down, he got up, and he smashed it again once or twice. Um, that is really directed physical and verbal abuse, and uh, um, the full consequences of the ATP rules should be brought into play. What, what could those consequences be, do you think, Richard? Well, we've already seen the first consequence play out. Um, the seriousness of the incident resulted in effectively an immediate default from the tournament. The terminology used is he with, he's been withdrawn, but let's not uh, pull any punches. He's been booted from that tournament for that incident, so he'll lose all points and prize money. But now an investigation should take place and a suspension, a heavy suspension, should be put in place. Have you got a thought in mind as to what that should look like? Well, you know, we've, we've seen too often in the past uh, players engaged in, uh, in unfortunate conduct who really get a slap on the wrist. It might be a, a, a fine, a suspended sentence. None of those things were covered this time. This was dangerous to the chair umpire and also dangerous to anybody around the chair. There are ball kids there. Rackets can splinter and fly in different directions. So this is an incident that should draw month or months of suspension, in my opinion. Former tennis chair Richard Ings, for 10 years he did that job. Speaking to Jerry Waitley earlier today as he was broadcasting from Icon Park for Carlton and St Kilda. Uh, months and months, I don't reckon, cuts it. That's a year. That's a year minimum. That is a year minimum, but they are as gutless an organisation as there tends to be tennis. The players have all the power, um, and very rarely do they ever suffer anything remotely resembling consequences for actions. Uh, So that's just got to be a year. We've been speaking a lot this week about umpires, and we might speak a little bit more about that uh, in Footy Tinder, which is coming up very shortly. Um, But that's just got to be a year. And I'm happy for you to get your thoughts on that one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You're out of tennis for a year because you don't have the emotional intelligence to be able to handle yourself when you don't get a call going your way. You're outburst in violence, so you you don't have the mental capacity to be here. So go and learn how to do that in, in a year away from the game because that's probably about how long it would take you to be able to acquire that, Alexander. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The Australian tour of Pakistan, by the way, SEN have announced today that they'll be calling every ball of every test of the Pakistan v Australia series. First time since 1998 that we've been there from the ground at Pakistan. Adam Collins, a leader call team. Simon Kadich, who was on with Jared today. So too was Adam Collins. Uh, Waka Yunus, Peter Lola, um, Barat Sundarayson, Izzy Westbury, Jeff Lemon. Next Friday, 4th of March, prime time, 4pm, SEN app, all around the country on the SEN network as well. Um, I'm going to play you a little later because I've just run out of time to be able to do it now. Travis Head uh, spoke to SEN today. Scotty Boland's been on SEN today. SEN, whoa, there we go. SEN.com.au to uh, hear both those chats today. Uh, I'll tell you what was just one of my picks of the day at the moment. Dwayne Russell speaking to Gavin Wanganine today, one of the greats uh, of our wonderful game. The father-son, father-daughter, what will soon be mother-son, mother-daughter, is one of the most beautiful pieces of our game and what makes it and one of the many reasons that it is so good. This was Gavin Wanganine today speaking about his son Tex who's got on to Essendon's list. Yeah, mate, look, it's um, 
it's a pretty proud moment um, yesterday when, yeah, the club decided to, to sign him. And, yeah, mate, I'm just over the moon. I'm on cloud nine, as any father would. <laughs> uh, that's as wholesome as it gets. And if you haven't seen them, hug and embrace when he told him uh, you need to go and have a look at that. Sporting Capital's up next. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.